0: Today's sermon is entitled, Xerxes and the ER Room. Xerxes and the ER Room. Now, right off the back, I'm going to tell you, we're going to be taking a good look at the book of Esther today. What book? Esther, Esther, right? So, in order to take a good look at the book of Esther, you need to have a Bible, okay? So, we're going to be going into the Bible, into the Word of God today. Now, um, it's... uh, You know, before we jump into this sermon, I I really got to say, I'm going to really miss Timmy and Shaheen, aren't you? They have been uh, wonderful instruments of the Lord. Now, where is Shaheen right now? Now, Shaheen, can you come up to the front? Now, um, I actually met Shaheen when I was going to school up north, and uh, he was actually a friend... ...who I didn't want to be a friend to in the beginning. I actually tried avoiding this guy when I first met him. A lot of people don't know that. And so Shaheen has uh, uh, been a very faithful brother. He's somebody who's willing to minister and go all out for anybody who needs help. And I appreciate Timmy and his involvement. He's going to be going back to Walla Walla to finish up his studies. You've been a tremendous blessing. But the reason why I brought Shaheen up here is because Shaheen has a talent... ...that a lot of people don't know. And that is this Shaheen loves to whistle. Now, now you may think to yourself, oh come on, whistling, what's the big deal? You have not heard whistling until you have heard Shaheen whistle. This brother can whistle hymns. Okay? And uh Shaheen, I think now would be a good time to demonstrate that talent. we turn this mic on really really loud when you're as old as me and and older you can whistle as well as i can okay well can you whistle for us then uh pick a hymn and then whistle i don't know i'm embarrassed now. See, I'm nervous, it's not natural. I heard some uh, people attempting to harmonize. Didn't sound really good. But anyways, sorry, no offense. But I uh, uh, appreciate uh, the talents and gifts that God gives to us. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's, it's wonderful when you're driving with that guy and he just starts whistling like that. It's amazing. Um, all right. Why don't we start with the word of prayer? Let's ask God to bless us with the Spirit right now. Father in heaven, thank you so much again for the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you so much for the promise of the latter rain. And God, we are praying hearts would be open to what your spirit wants to say. Lord, we pray that we may understand deep things of the word of God. May you revive our hearts again, Lord. We need revival, personal revival in each one of our lives. Thank you so much for hearing our prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Again, the name of the sermon is called Xerxes and DER Room. I'm going to share a little bit about my, um, venture that I had a few weeks ago. Some of you know, many of you know that I got really, really sick. Um, here's what happened. Here's the story. Okay. I actually, during the summer, had different events that were going on. I had, you know, we had that Patterson Evangelistic Series that was taking place and we had VBS and uh, then we had camp meeting and so there was a lot of planning that was involved and uh, you know, sometimes when you're going from event to event to event without really having time to reflect, to think, to rest your body, which is composed of so many different kinds of intricate systems can be affected you know, we have autonomic systems do you guys know what the word autonomic means? what does it mean? auto-nomic autonomic what's a system that's autonomic it yeah it, b- it runs automatically very good wasn't hard to do this, right and, and we have so many systems that don't require conscious thought right and uh, many systems what happens is they can be affected when you're really stressed what happened is there you go I was um, I ended up um, the day after camp meeting, there was actually a funeral that took place up in Sacramento. I was a bit tired, but I said, you know what, I need to do this. Ted was still coming back. He had to finish up some work at camp meeting. And so as I was going up on Monday, the day after camp meeting to this funeral, uh, my stomach wasn't really feeling right. I mean, I had just this nausea that morning, felt really weak and tired. Did the funeral, came back, and just something wasn't right that whole day. It just felt really off. Well, the very next day, I mean, I woke up with a stomach ache, a bad, bad stomach ache. And uh, even to the place where I thought to myself, I wonder if this is what it's like to feel pregnant. No joke. I mean, it was bad. I mean, my stomach was really, really hurting. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll try the natural route. I'll take some charcoal. Didn't help. Did not help. Okay. So I tried some over the counters, tried some Imodium. Didn't work. Tried some pepto Bismol, and I drank a lot of that pepto Bismol. let me tell you that. And it did not work. Couldn't eat anything. Any bit of food that I put in my mouth would just end up irritating my stomach so much. So I thought to myself, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to attempt to go to sleep. And if I can't go to sleep, I'll go to the ER. I don't like going to the hospital except to visit people. That's the only reason I love going to the hospital, right? Other people, right? And so, I was thinking to myself, I am not going to the ER. I have not been to a hospital for my own health in years. Not gonna do it. Around 11.30 p.m., my stomach was about to burst. That's exactly how I felt, okay? So this is the kind of pain that I was experiencing. So I said to myself, okay, I am going to go to the hospital. And sure enough, went into the hospital, it was great, had some church members who worked there, they got me to the ER, I went to the ER, and uh, they put some IVs. Um, Apparently I was having some kidney problems and my stomach was having issues, I was dehydrated. Um, And so they put me up there and I was there till like 7 a.m. in the morning. And they released me, they gave me some painkillers and they told me, you need to see a GI doctor right away. Well, I called up Dr. Ed Holm. He took care of me, began to um, just check me out, and got me to see a, a GI doctor who's also an Adventist in the area. And uh, he scheduled me for an endoscopy. And, uh, and, you know, there was some intestinal bleeding that had, did heal. Um, it's now healed, I should say. And uh, my kidney levels have improved, doing much better. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm back. So... I, You know, I learned a lot of lessons during this time. Um, Two of the lessons I want to share with you right now. The first lesson is this. It's very, very important, especially for men, to make sure you get physicals. You guys know what a physical is, right? Sometimes we think to ourselves, it's not really necessary to get a physical, not really necessary to get checked up. But I want to really encourage the men, if you have not gotten a physical in such a long time, please do that. They check your blood work out. They can find out what you may be deficient in, what may be some problems. So yes, I have now become an advocate for people getting physicals. The second thing is this, watermelon juice. That's the best stuff you can drink. Amen? Um, I see Dan Avila raising his hand. He owns some watermelon farms. I'll take two right after church service. But uh here's the thing. Let me tell you something. Everything was irritating my stomach except for watermelon juice. And let me I have I have drunk so much watermelon juice. I, every day there is a watermelon in my fridge and I go through a watermelon probably every two days. I mean I absolutely love that stuff. What was so amazing about watermelon? God's good fruit. It hydrated me better than water was hydrating me. I mean, I would drink water, I'd still feel thirsty. Drink water, still feel thirsty. Drink watermelon juice or eat watermelon, I felt refreshed. So remember that next time you get a stomachache. What was that? Watermelon Watermelon juice, that's right. Buy Avalon Farms watermelon next time. So, anyways. The name of the sermon today is called Xerxes and the ER Room. Xerxes and the ER Room. Today we're going to be taking a good look at the book of Esther. So everybody take your Bible, let's go to the book of Esther. The way you're going to find Esther is this. You go to the book of Psalms, go back one book, you'll find the book of Job. And then go back one more book and you will find the book of Esther. Okay, Esther's tucked into the Bible. Sometimes it's a little difficult to find if you just flip open your Bible. But remember what I said. You go to Psalms, go back a book, you go to the book of Job, and then you go to the book of what? Esther. Now, Esther is a remarkable book for many different reasons. When you read the book of Esther, here are some facts that are so amazing. The book of Esther does not contain the word God anywhere in the entire book of Esther. It's quite a strange book. Here's a book that's in a bunch of, a series of books, the Bible, and it doesn't speak one word about God. But what is so amazing is the book of Esther is a book of providence. It's a book of what? That when you look at what appears to be ordinary movements or ordinary events, you begin to see with spiritual eyes the extraordinary movements of God. Can you say amen to that? So think of it like this. The book of Esther is a book that calls God's people to look deeper and see what God is doing in the shadows. In the shadows. Another cool fact about the book of Esther is this. The book of Esther mentions Esther, obviously right, her name is mentioned more times than any other female in all of scripture. So here you have an interesting book, a book that doesn't mention God's name at all, and a book that mentions Esther's name more than any other female in all of scripture. So when we take a good look at the book of Esther, we're going to see unique things that are going to apply to us corporately as a church, but also very, very personally. I love what's said right here, ladies and gentlemen. This is found right here in the book Daughters of God. Book Daughters of God. This is what it says. In ancient times, the Lord worked in a wonderful way through consecrated what? Now notice the adjective. Through what? Consecrated women, right? Consecrated women, right? Consecrated women. Who united in His work with men whom He had chosen to stand as His representatives. He used what? Women to gain great and decisive victories. More than once in times of emergencies, He brought them to the front and worked through them for the salvation of many... Lives Through Esther the queen, the Lord accomplished a mighty deliverance for his people. At a time when it seemed that no power could save them, Esther and the women associated with her, the women associated with her by fasting and prayer and prompt what? Action, met the issue and brought salvation to the people. Can you say amen to that? The Bible is not just a book about men. I should have heard more amens about that. Especially from the women, right? The Bible is not just a book about men, amen? It's a book about men and women, amen? A book about humanity, right? And what's so amazing is that when you begin to see the book of Esther, when you begin to study out the book of Esther, you begin to see how God used this unseemingly unassuming woman to accomplish great deliverance for all of Israel. For all of Israel. Now, just to give you a quick recap of this story, so that we understand this story. The book of Esther starts off with King Xerxes. Right? King Xerxes. That is his actual name. There's another name that's mentioned in there. But that is actually King Xerxes. And what is so interesting about King Xerxes, King Xerxes was head of the Persian Empire at that time. He had many different wives, but he had one wife, her name was, or one queen, her name was Queen Vashti. Now, I want you to start paying attention to the clues I'm going to start laying out to you, okay? And if you're paying attention, you will start picking up on these clues, okay? Here's the first clue. Queen Vashti was ordered to come to the presence of the king. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, it starts off with King Xerxes having this big old feast, he wanted to show off his wife, and so he made a law, and his law was to go get the wife. And so the wife, being the woman that she is, she says, no, I'm not going to go there at that drunk feast, I'm not going to go there and be humiliated, she decides to not go see the king. Now, this was considered a great embarrassment for Xerxes and his empire. His noble men were there. His counselors were there. And they thought, this is a great upset in the kingdom. And if this one woman rebels against the counsel of her husband, what will happen to the rest of the women in the kingdom? Mercy. So after this takes place, she's immediately dethroned, taken off her her throne and so Xerxes begins to come back out of this drunken stupor he realizes what's taken place and so his counselors wanting to encourage him said you know what we're gonna take care of you Xerxes we're gonna hold the pageant we're gonna find all the most beautiful women in all the land we're gonna bring them to you Xerxes and we want you to choose the next woman who's going to be your wife the Bible tells us there was one woman her name was Esther her name was what Now, she had a Jewish name. Her Jewish name was Hadassah. Now, Hadassah was very interesting. The Bible tells us about her parents. Her parents were actually carried away during the Babylonian captivity. She was actually an orphan raised by her uncle, Mordecai, who actually worked for the king. Many scholars believe he was probably some kind of accountant. The Bible tells us he was in the king's gate constantly. So he was somebody who worked for the king. But he was somebody who was not well known. So here's the situation. Esther then gets taken. As part of this pageant, and part of all these women who are brought to the king, and King Xerxes, he loves Esther. I mean, he falls in love with Esther, and he says, this is my wife. She's going to be my queen. Well, here's another part of the story. There was another person who worked for the king. His name was Haman. The Bible tells us he was an enemy of the Jews. Pay attention to that phrase right there. An enemy of the who? Who? Jews. The Bible says he was an adversary and enemy of the Jews. That's very intentional language there, okay? He was somebody who was an adversary and enemy of the Jews. He didn't know Esther was a Jew. She was told by her uncle, don't tell people you're a Jew. So she was an undercover Jew. And Haman did not know this. He had a big problem with the Jews. He had a big problem with Mordecai, her uncle. Because when this man would go through town with an air of piety. And an air of respect and worship. He would be the only person throughout that whole city, that whole capital. Who would not worship or bow down or pay any kind of reverence towards this man Haman. Haman was so upset. Went to his family. And they began to plot to destroy the entire Jewish race. He came up. With this plot, he went to the king and he said, King, there are some people here who are rebellious and disrespectful. Please, let me take care of them. I'll give a large sum of money to you and I will personally take care of the matter. Now, King Xerxes, so busy with the rest of his kingdom, said, all right, you can go ahead and do that. And sure enough, Haman begins to plot and comes up with this agenda to destroy all the Jews. Mordecai gets wind of this. He immediately tells Esther, communicates to Esther, You need to intervene, otherwise we're going to end up being destroyed. So the story continues. Esther finally decides to recognize her purpose in life. Realize God's plans. And she decides to act at that moment and ends up saving the entire Jewish people in that whole kingdom. And thus ends the book of Esther. But now we're going to be taking a good look at certain details in the book of Esther that I really believe are going to be very personal and powerful when you begin to see this. The Bible, we're going to rewind now. We're going to go to that time when that pageant was happening, when King Xerxes was actually choosing his queen. Everybody take your Bible. Let's go to Esther chapter 2, verse 15. Esther chapter 2, verse 15. Remember what I said. You go to the Psalms, go back a book to the book of Job, and then you go back a book, and there you will find, tucked in there, you will find the book of? Esther. Very good. Esther chapter 2. Esther chapter 2. Please say amen if you're there. Notice what the Bible says right now. Verse 15. This is the pageant. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as daughter to go into her, to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Hige, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And notice this next phrase. And Esther obtained... What's that key word? Favor. Now don't forget that. Esther obtained what? Favor. Make sure you mark that, okay? You're gonna see something. Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was brought in, taken to King Asherus, and that is Xerxes everybody. That is the historic Xerxes right there. Into the royal palace. Now pay attention to this phrase right here. In the tenth month, which is the month of Tibbeth, in the seventh year of his what? Reign. In the seventh year of his what? Don't forget that date, okay? Let's continue. So Esther was taken. I'm sorry, go to verse 17. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. He set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, this is something very interesting. I want you to pay attention to the actual timeline. In the seventh year of his what? In the seventh year of his reign, Esther was chosen out of all these women to be the queen but the bible tells us something very interesting that Esther had a particular characteristic about her what was that? whenever she was around people she won what? favor, Favor, right? and the bible tells us that when she went in to see this king he was so enthralled by her the bible tells us that she won what in his sight? favor than who? all the virgins now this is where it gets very interesting what year of his reign was this? Now, this is very important. What a lot of people don't understand about King Xerxes is this. In the seventh year of his reign, he was actually returning from a battle. You see the transition of nations that took place. Here we have Babylon. Then we have the... How many times have you been to an evangelistic series? You don't know this yet. What comes after Babylon? (laughs) Okay, very good. Okay, what comes after Medes and Persia? Greece, right? This was actually around the time when a transition would begin to take place soon. In the seventh year of his reign, Xerxes had actually attacked Greece. He attacked the city-states where he went after Athens and when he went after Sparta. And it's this battle, in the Battle of Thermopylae, when 300 Spartans, combined with some Greeks, actually repelled Xerxes' armies. For many days, he actually returned from the seventh year with great defeat. Now just think about this. Here's a king who's discouraged. Here's a king who's been defeated. Here's a king who apparently isn't living up to his reputation. He has just been defeated by city-states, not powerful nations, but by city-states he's been destroyed, beaten back, pushed back by them, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the Bible tells us that Esther won favor in his sight. Let me ask you a question. What kind of woman do you think Esther was that at this time of Xerxes' life that would make him so enthralled with her that she won favor in his sight? Go ahead and raise your hand if you know. Jim. Okay, you guys have just missed this point that I just made. Let me Let me state this one more time. What kind of woman was Esther that she won favor in his sight at a time when he was defeated and discouraged and beaten? She was what? She must have been an encouraging woman. Now just think about this. What is the one characteristic that is given about the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus actually call the Holy Spirit? He calls Him the Holy Spirit. He could have said, Hey, here's the truth guider. Here's the one who is the great convictor. No, when He wants to label the Holy Spirit, He says, This is the one who is the great comforter. Therefore, if the Spirit of God dwells in somebody, what kind of person should they be? So when the Bible tells us that Esther won favor in his sight in the seventh year of his reign, when he was defeated, when he was discouraged, what kind of woman do you think Esther was that won favor in his sight? A woman who was an encourager. A woman who was positive. A woman who was a nurturer. Now, everybody, take your Bible, go to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Keep your finger there in the book of Esther. Daniel, chapter 1. Please say amen if you're there. Start with verse 8. Daniel, chapter 1, starting with verse 8. Are we all there yet? Look, I've been gone about four or five weeks. You guys got a little rusty already, huh? All right. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 We all there? Now pay attention to language right here Daniel purposed in his heart That he would not defile himself With the portion of the king's delicacy Nor with the wine which he drank Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs That he might not what? Defile himself Pay attention to verse 9 Notice the common language Now God had brought Daniel into the Favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs God gave favor to who? Daniel with who? The chief of the eunuchs now see something look at the very next verse and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces look worse than the young men who are your age then you endanger my head before the king notice what he tells Daniel I fear the Bible tells us that Daniel won favor with who The prince of the eunuchs. In which way did he win favor with the prince of the eunuchs? Timmy, can you play something very nice for us? We're a little slow today. It says, Daniel was brought into good favor with the prince of the eunuchs. In which way was he brought in with the favor with the prince of the eunuchs? What does the prince of eunuchs say in the next few words? I fear the Lord might... What did he just share What did he just share with Daniel? This was a leader who was sharing his what with Daniel? His fears with Daniel, which tells us in which way did Daniel win favor with this leader? What kind of person was Daniel to this guy? He was a trustworthy person. Ladies and gentlemen, the point I'm trying to make, when you see the scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see this phrase appear over and over again. And so and so won favor with that person. So and so won favor with this person. So and so won favor with this person. Joseph won favor in the side of Pharaoh. Over and over again you will see that. And it's not just simply, oh, now they start liking each other. What you see is a particular characteristic of God in that person that allows them to connect usually with an authority figure who happens to be pagan. The reason why Esther won favor out of all the other women, it's not because she was, just happens to be the most beautiful woman. I'm sure there were many women there who happened to be very, very beautiful who rivaled Esther's beauty. But there was one other thing that was different about Esther in the seventh year of King Xerxes reign and which was what? She was somebody who was a comforter To discourage souls. The point I'm trying to make is this. In our witness to the world. in 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 our testimony to this world. To these people around us. To our neighbors. The one thing God is calling us to be. Is to be a comforter to them. Can you say amen to that? And when favor is won, immediately things begin to take place. So many things. You know, I have this situation where, you know, I was supposed to speak at ASI International. And ASI International, that's when it's like, man, you got people from all over the world, including India, Pakistan, you name it, all over. And they asked me to speak. And I was like, praise the Lord, I'm ready to speak. But something happened, ladies and gentlemen, I got sick. In the little Hospital, I just shared with you the 30- minute dialogue of what took place, right? But let me tell you something. that morning I was supposed to preach. I was there. I was sitting down in my couch and I was thinking to myself, "Lord, why did this not happen? You know I was supposed to share, I was supposed to share a mighty word for the Lord. and there I was on my couch sulking to myself. I found out my neighbor just lost his wife. And I found myself Friday morning, sitting on a bench with that man, praying with him. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. God is calling us to win favor with this this world. He's calling us to win favor with people who are discouraged, people who are hurting, people who are broken. Can you say amen to that? The reason why people... ...could win favor in the Old Testament with authority figures, with leaders, with men and women who were renowned... ...was because at a time of suffering and a time of opportunity, these people were like the comforting voice of God to them. Can you say amen to that? So this is how Esther becomes queen. And all of a sudden... She finds out about this great plot that was going to take place to destroy all the Jews. Now this is where it starts getting even more interesting. A thought that I really believe is going to be very, very special. And I want you to see again the intentional language of scripture. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Esther gets word from Mordecai that the safety of the Jews is being threatened. Esther chapter 4 verse 13. If you're there, please say amen. Notice what the Bible says to es- uh, about Esther. Mordecai said to answer Esther, Do you not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Verse 15, Then Esther... Told them to reply to Mordecai. Now I'm going to start emphasizing certain words, and I want to tell. Let's see if you get it. Okay, it should be pretty easy. Okay. So Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Keep hang on, so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him, chapter five, verse one, and it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robe, royal robes, stood in the inner court. Uh, My voice is getting tired. You guys are getting the point right now, hopefully, right? Of the king's palace, across from the king's house, which the king sat on his royal throne in his royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court... That she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went, touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? Did you notice the intentional language there? Please say amen if you saw it. Good. I like when you don't get things at first, because that means you have to look deeper. I'm going to say it one more time with greater emphasis. And I want you to tell me what you see emerging now. Chapter 4, verse 15. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink, for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did all according to Esther had commanded him. Chapter 5 verse 1. It happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, which the king sat on his royal throne, in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. Now, did you see this intentional language? Notice this. Esther says, I am going to go to the king, which is against the law. If I perish, I perish. And then when she's about to go into the king, she puts on her royal robes, right? Puts on the royal robes. She goes into the court. What kind of court was it? The inner court where the king was seated on his throne. And if you went to this king, what would happen to you? You would die, right? She goes there, she's wearing the royal robes, she is standing before the king in the inner court, right? Not sure if she's going to die, not sure if she's going to live. And do you know what the king does? He extends his scepter of grace and says, what do you wish? Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? I knew this was going to be a challenging sermon. <laughs> By the way, I want you to know, when I go everywhere to preach, I always tell people out this church. I'm like, man, you come to series, you're going to get involved in the Word of God. People participate during church. <laughs> Please don't let anybody call me a liar right now. <laughs> Notice this. She said, "I'm going to go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish." She goes there wearing her royal, and she goes to the king. Where is he located? In the inner court. And when she go, when he goes into the inner, she goes into the inner court. What does she find? Favor. Now here's the thing, now this is where it gets very interesting. The first queen, she was ordered to come to the presence of the king. Let me ask you a question, was that against the law or was it up with the law? It was with the law, it was not against the law for that first queen to come into the presence of that king. But what did she do? She chose not to go into his presence. This second queen, To go into the presence of this king was now against the law without his permission. And she decides she is still going to do it, but this time she is going to be wearing royal robes. And she's going to go to that king, and where was he located? In the inner court, right? And when she's wearing that royal robe, standing before the king in the inner court, she's given grace. What are you looking at? Jesus lo he's the right answer. What are you looking at though? The first queen? She was told by the king, You come into my presence, right? Let me ask you a question. When Adam broke the law, what did he do? He ran from the presence of God, right? Now, because of sin, are we allowed to approach the king? We're not allowed to approach the king, right? But there is somebody who can go into the king's presence. What's his name? It's Jesus, right? And Jesus is the one who can stand in the presence of the king. And where is this king located? In the inner court, the most holy place in all the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are looking at is a picture of the gospel. The first Adam was invited to be in the presence of the king. But do you know what he did? He sinned and removed himself from the presence. Right? Taken off his throne. And because of it, because of our sin, we can't go into the presence of God now. But there is one person... And because of his faithfulness, because of his righteousness, he is able to enter into the most holy place where God is located. Can you say amen to that? Now, how many people are excited about the judgment? Raise your hand. Oh, really? Did you know when you're reading the judgment that happens to the wicked at the end of time, there are three key words that I want you to pay attention to. There was a throne. Read Revelation 20. The books were open. There were witnesses and the judgment took place. And they were judged from what? The things written in the book. You know when you're reading about the 2300 day prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, the Bible says a judgment took place where a king was seated, the books were open and there were witnesses that were there. I want you to understand something. The judgment that happens at the end of time with the wicked is the exact same kind of judgment that is taking place right now except for one difference. They're like, I'm not too excited about the judgment anymore. The exact same judgment. The books were open. There was a king, there were witnesses. That's the exact same judgment that happens to the wicked at the end of time. You know, there's many people in our world today, many Christians who will say, well, that person deserves to die. They deserve to be lost because of their sins. I want you to know something. You are not saved because you sinned less than the wicked. I want you to know that, right? Do you understand that? You know what's going to surprise you about heaven is that there's probably going to be people who sin there a lot more than the wicked did. You're like, what? Did you know that the righteous aren't saved because they were a bit more holier than the wicked were? There is one thing that is different about the two judgments. You read it. A king was on his throne. Books were open and there were witnesses. The exact same judgment that happens during the thousand years is the exact same kind of judgment structure that is happening now. There's one difference. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 7 that the judgment that's taken place, somebody else shows up to this judgment. Maybe I didn't say it. Somebody else shows up to this judgment. The Bible tells us the Son of Man shows up to this judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, the one thing that separates this judgment from the judgment that happens during the thousand years is that Jesus shows up to this judgment. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. That's why the judgment doesn't need to be shunned. Jesus is in this judgment. When you take a good look at the judgment at the end of time, the wicked have no advocate. The wicked don't have an advocate. They're judged the exact same way. King on the throne. Books were open and there were witnesses. That's the exact same judgment that's happened here. Except the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days. You know what He was doing? He was interceding on your behalf. Can you say hallelujah to that? Amen. That's what's so exciting is that Jesus is part of this judgment. But He won't be part of that judgment. That's why today is the day of salvation yes. Amen That's why today is the day of salvation In fact when you actually study out The writings of Ellen White Who happens to be one of the leaders in our church Did you know that when she was younger She didn't have a lot of hope She struggled Believing that God could love her And she says one day a pastor spoke On the book of Esther On this very verse where Esther says If I go to the king I may perish but I may perish And she said that the pastor said that sometimes we're going to go into the presence of God and we're not sure if He's going to accept us. We're not sure if He wants us there. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that Jesus has already gone ahead of us. Can you say amen to that? Jesus has gone ahead of us. And we may wrestle with doubt. We may wrestle with fear. We may think to ourselves, God... I can't go into your presence anymore. Like Esther. We need to take courage and say, God, if I perish, I perish. Go there with courage, but we don't just go there with courage. We put on the robes of righteousness that Christ has given to us. Can you say amen to that? Ladies and gentlemen, when you take a good look at the book of Esther, you begin to find a remarkable story. Haman... Was a representative of Satan seeking to accuse God's people to God the Father, saying they deserve to be destroyed. But there was one woman who was, went before the king wearing robes of righteousness and she, her intercession saved the entire Jewish people from the destruction of the enemy. It is the intercession of Christ. Who stands for us in the court. Amen. The only thing different from this judgment. The judgment of the thousand years. Jesus is present. Jesus is present on your behalf. You may feel like a messed up person. You may feel like a great sinner today. You may feel like God. I feel so separated from you. But I want you to know today. God is calling you. By the blood of Jesus to come to him to receive from him only that which he could give which is his favor amen. amen Esther is a picture of Christ and his ministry for us in the most holy place but Esther is also a picture of God's people trembling yet with boldness coming through the throne of God to find help grace in times of need I don't know what your background has been. I don't know your spiritual condition. I don't even know what you did this week. But at the foot of the cross, the ground is even. The foot of the cross, there is an invitation to all people to come to Him just as you are that you may find mercy and grace. Last night going over this story we decide to sing a beautiful song called at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light ladies and gentlemen why don't we stand as we are going to be singing that song and invite the rest of the music team up to the front take out your hymn books let's go to that song that's found in scripture called at the cross at the cross We have a Savior who is interceding on our behalf. The Bible tells us He lives to make intercession for us. It is the heart of God to stand in our place, to stand in your place today, friend. Wherever you're at, Jesus is calling you to the cross to find salvation, to find forgiveness, to remove those things that may be separating you from Him.